Well, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Ascent Podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll be your guide as we continue to work our way towards self-excellence. Today, we're going to get into talking about leadership. And one of the things we've always focused in here when we talk about leadership is really talking about the importance of leadership. The whys behind leadership is so important. But we're going to shift gears today because we have a very special guest joining us. And Brandy's really going to share some things about the how-tos of leadership. So she's really going to help us to understand not just the, the importance of it, but now that we have that piece, what do we do with that information? How do we move ourselves forward? How do the, we become the best possible leader that we possibly can be? And that's what we're going to focus in on today. So stick around and uh, let's get into that. Good morning, gang. How's everybody doing? Hi. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Brandy, I'm going to come to you first because you are our guest today. And obviously what we want to talk about today is just leadership, but not just leadership from the standpoint of the importance of leadership, because we all, I think, understand that. And then once you've done that work to, you know, kind of build yourself up, understand why leadership is important to you, the next question then becomes, what do you do with it? How do you then apply those skills uh, within your organization? to be more effective and be a more effective leader. So I'll bring that question to you first. And how about you share a little bit about that? Well, that's a pretty loaded question and I'm really grateful you're having me on. Um, We have some time to talk about it. We'll see which avenues we can go deep enough in, but um, in regards to applying these tools as a leader, we really have to understand who are we working with? What is it that we want them to do and how can we motivate it to get it done? with our standards. So leading, there's a difference between leading and dictating. And I always want to clarify to to a lot of our business owners, our managers, supervisors, leads, and so forth, what that really means. Because a lot of people forget that leading doesn't mean to only delegate tasks. It doesn't only mean to tell people what to do or how to do it. We ha- there's a very thin line between dictating and leading. And dictating really has to do with telling people what to do and how to do it for your own benefit. Whereas leading is about guiding people on what to do and how to do, demonstrating what that looks like for a common goal. That means that everybody wins when we get this done. So when we're applying leadership skills, we have this mind that everybody is going to win. We're benefiting everybody as a whole. So that is the biggest umbrella that we have to address. And we have to understand that to have the mindset to create a healthy environment. That's absolutely true. I mean, I, that, I think this key component to it is um, the mindset that's associated with it. Right. And a lot of times, as I said, when you are a leader and you hear this, this term all the time about, am I leading from the front or am I leading from behind? Right. Uh, and I think that's a key piece of it. And I think true leaders really learn how to, uh, lead, show, lead by example, show what it is. It means to be a good leader. Uh, because I think that helps to nurture not only just the staff, but the culture, of the entire environment. I think that's a key piece of it. And I know that's one of the things we wanted to touch on. So let's start, I think, by talking a little bit about culture, because that's one of the areas that we talk about a lot on on our podcast is the importance of culture. So from a leadership standpoint, Brandy, what is your philosophy and what are your beliefs about the responsibility as a leader uh, with the culture within an organization or a group? Okay, so there's a few things that I would love to touch base on when we're looking at how do we, how do we know, um, 
how to be a good leader to create a positive culture. The first, there's, there's, there's so many layers to this, but the first one would be to know your role. Know your role, which means what are your jobs? What is, what is your job? What is your task? What are your responsibilities? What are you control, control, in control of? And then what is everybody else's role? What is their role? What is their job? What is their task? What are their responsibilities? And by separating and acknowledging that everybody has a role, we also want to make sure that you don't micromanage. You train effectively, but you do not micromanage. We want to allow everyone to learn how to perfect their job. If we allow everyone to perfect their job, we give them the opportunity to be competent and create inner confidence because it's something that they know they understood how to, how to do well and how to train themselves and we need to support them along the way but we need to do it within um, our own job our own tasks our own responsibilities and we need to really allow everybody to shine as much as possible the second part is we want to be great mirrors and what i mean by that is we want to do and say what we want them to see and do which means we are abiding by our own levels of standards of work performance, of following through with our commitments, which also means um, following our own work schedule, taking breaks, um, having a good attitude, perfecting our own work ethic, staying motivated, loving our workplace. When we demonstrate that, we show them that we have a lot of responsibilities, but we're capable of upholding this considerate, have fun, be disciplined atmosphere. Because as a leader who's taken on all of these different things, if I can do it, you can do it. The next thing that we also want to um, understand is that there's a lot of people who come into the workplace and we want to refrain from providing too much hope ahead of time. So this is what I call interview prove. When we're hiring new employees, a lot of times we get really excited because we're like, wow, this person has an amazing resume. I love the connection I had with this person. But you have to keep in mind that the person that you're interviewing or someone's interviewing is trying to sell themselves to get the job. And they can talk but can they walk the walk? So it's really important to make sure that you have a probation period, that you honor that probation period, that you let them know that we're going to see how you do for, let's say, three months. We're going to see how you do for three months, and we'll see if, if this is something that, you know, where we can really fit you in and see what's the next, what's the next step for us. But do not promise giving them a raise, do not promise giving them a raise during the probation period or even after the probation period. Do not imply that they're going to get a, a raise, whether it's monetary or position, after the probation period to hold on to them. We want to train them efficiently and then we want to let them prove themselves with all the things that they said that they could do in the interview through their personality their actions, and their commitment. And if we could do those three things, then we are truly demonstrating a 
a culture that we're breeding because it's something that we love, it's something that we want, and it's something that we're trying to perpetuate. That's a great answer. I, I, I like that. Uh, and like you said, there's so many components to it, as you talked about when you first started that. There's so many layers, right, And as you yeah. work your way through it. So uh, a quote that I just thought of, and one of the people that I, I happen to follow and appreciate some of his leadership styles, and that's uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And so Gary V has this statement where he says, when he talks about hiring his people, uh, he says, hire fast, fire faster, and promote fastest, which is a very mm -hmm. interesting philosophy, but that's what he believes in. So don't take all this time, you know, willing around trying to figure out who the right person is to hire. Hire them quickly, give them an opportunity, as you said, to prove who they are and what it is that they can bring to the table. And if they're not performing, uh, make the decision to have to, you know, part ways and, and make that determination fairly quickly because that helps your organization. But then the flip side of that is if they over deliver, deliver more than what you expected, reward them by promoting them fast too, because he says those are the people who are going to drive your business forward. So I think those are key components as, as leaders to be mindful of and have your eyes open uh, and, and looking forward to that. Uh, so I want to pose a question to the, the rest of the panel here. Gentlemen, anything that Brandy shared there that kind of pops out to you? Uh, Vince, I know you kind of work in this space quite a bit. Uh, what, what are your, some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's really fascinating when you when you think of Gary Vee's concept. And I, I, I kind of wonder if that's specific to, to really kind of niche industries because, you know, most of the commentary is really about hire slow, fire fast. And I wonder if, you know, from Brandy's perspective on, you know, one of the things I was, I was thinking about, what is a holistic leader? Because, you, you know, the life, holistic life coach, like, what does that entail? Because when you talk about culture, when you talk about values, when you talk about alignment, especially with uh, someone who's coming in as a leader of an organization, how do you, how do you ensure that those values of the organization and the individual are aligned? I love that. I love that. Um, there's so much there that I can answer. Um, number one, holistic, we're looking, what does holistic mean? We're looking at the whole package, you know, in layman terms, we're looking at how do we look at everything and see it as a whole versus just tuning into one little thing, picking it apart and not zooming out enough to see how everything affects everything. So we do want to look at everything as a whole. The second part is I I do, I, I don't know 100% Gary Vee's concept of everything, but but Brian, the way that you shared it is pretty much aligned with how I, how I see things moving. However, I believe that the way that we do it is really important to understand how do we hire, how do we fire, and how do we promote. So when we're looking at how do we create this culture holistically, we do have to look at number one is... The, the biggest thing is to get rid of the cancer. Mm. The get, getting rid of the cancer is a term that I, that I use to talk about three different steps and how do we do that. Getting rid of the cancer is about creating, um, getting rid of all the toxicity in the environment so we can create a healthy environment that nourishes the people and the organization as a whole. So the first step is to know and show your policies. You have to know what rules has to be followed to supply, operate, and maintain your organization. And that has to do with the health, the 
the reputation and the safetyness of the colleagues and the and the um, organization. That's it as a whole. Now, if you don't have an employee handbook, you have to create one immediately and you have to understand what are those three things which has to do with creating this environment. Number one, it has to do with understanding what your policies are, understanding what your rules are and what your mandates are. And these are three different things. The policies is the is the guideline set to drive the energy to create a certain environment. The rules are statements that say what must and must not be done. And then the mandates are the commands of the rules. Okay, they're three separate things. The next piece of this is that we want to talk about how we're going to create this environment. And we want to demonstrate that on an ongoing basis. So one of the problems that I find when I'm working with a lot of different entrepreneurs or small business owners or leaders in in in, in the company, whether it's big or small, is that there's an employee handbook that nobody ever touches. They're, they're like, we saw it when we first were hired, but we don't ever talk about it. We don't ever follow it. We just deal with problems as they go. And that becomes a really huge problem because nobody seems to follow any order that creates the culture that we want, which is all in the handbook. And so we want to create the handbook with great intention and if we have a handbook and it doesn't seem aligned with where our vision is and our mission for the company, then we want to readjust it. We want to modify it. The second thing is getting in, in regards to getting rid of um, cancer is we want to create what I call accountability consciousness, which means we always want to check in with everybody and we want to stay informed with how everybody's doing. We want to check in with people one-on-one -on -one and we want to check in with people as a group. We want to understand for instance, how is, you know, if, if let's say Chris and Vince is working together for the first time, I want to check in with both of you um, in the midday or, or whenever we can, where I can get in front of both of you at the same time of working together for your first time and say, Chris, it's your first time working with Vince. How is working with Vince for your first time? You're going to respond and I'm going to go to Vince and be like, Vince, how is your first time working with Chris? And you're going to tell me too. At the end of the day, end of the day, now when I check in with you one on one, now we already are establishing that I'm checking in with both of you, and and this is your time to talk about each other in front of me, and 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 see how you guys feel about each other, right? The second thing is if I can check in with you one on one afterwards, it doesn't have to be a fifteen minute meeting or a thirty minute meeting or anything longer than that. It's, it could be a really fly by check in, um, Chris. So. You had your day working with um, Vince. How was the rest of your day working with them? And then you're going to respond and then, okay, great. The next thing that that would be great is that I highlight things that are positive about Vince and things positive about you and how you guys can work together. That's planting the seeds of creating a, a healthy culture. And I'll do the same thing with Vince. I'm like, hey, Vince, how is it working with Chris? And let's just say that Vince said something negative. I can then respond with like, you know what? I totally understand, you know, that that can happen sometimes when we have these differences. But let's look at look at let's look at using our differences to benefit each other by learning from each other. So I'd love for you to I'd love to learn how you can learn from his differences. And I'd love to see how you can grow from this because I, I see a lot of potential in you and I'd love to see, you know, you guys work well together. So that's a way that we can create accountability.
that's where how we can create this consciousness of everybody kind of knows what's going on because we're all involved. And when we are more involved with each other, we work better as a team. And that's what we need to create is teamwork. The third part about getting rid of the cancer is what I call three strikes you're out. Three strikes you're out. And so this is really, really important is because we have to understand that when some, what is a problem? First, we have to understand what is a problem because someone having a bad attitude can, having a bad attitude can scale in many different ways. Did What defines a bad attitude? Is it that this person um, didn't smile or gave you a funny look? Or did this person actually use volatile language and, and showed aggressive behavior that makes you feel unsafe? So having a bad attitude, like we really have to understand the problem must be that a policy rule or mandate was broken. That's why we, when we go to the first thing is like, do you have an employee handbook? Because you got to understand what's okay and what's not okay. So we have to understand what the problem is. Second, we have to look at consequences. How do we follow up with this with breaking this, um, this policy or this rule? Um, and we have to look at the severity of it. Whatever the problem is, we have to have a universal framework of of consequence that follows the misconduct. That means there is no favoritism and there's no prejudice because it follows along for every single person in the, in the um, organization. And the third thing is that we want to be really considerate in the way that we handle these consequences. We want to have a rule of thumb in the order that we follow it. So, you know, the first thing is to make sure that we have a verbal notice. The second thing is that we have a meeting and a written notice. The third thing is that we have a, a, a written notice, a meeting, a written notice, and a suspension. And then the fourth thing um, is that we have a meeting, written notice, and we let them go. Now, if we always know that these are the four steps and we make it apparent to everybody, that's actually going to increase people's work performance and their work ethic because. People get a job because they want to make money. They want to feel like they're con contributing to their family, to their livelihood. They want to grow professionally and personally. They want to be part of a community. So people don't want to lose their jobs. And I don't believe that we should just fire people blindly just because we don't feel like they're a good fit. We don't get along with them. We don't like the way they dress. We need to understand that if we set great, if we understand our vision of success as an organization, then we can create a proper employee handbook and we can create these rules that helps everybody understand like, this is what we're all looking towards. This is, this is the, this is the vision that I have for everybody. And if we can all be a part of this, then we're going to work well together. But you also have to understand that if we don't work well together, what are the steps of consequences that we take in consideration. And it's also important to know that those four steps that I say, it doesn't mean that you have to follow every single step. It just means that th that's the severity of if something goes incredibly wrong. So if, so if something is horrible and you can't tolerate it, you don't have to do a verbal warning first. You can just go to 
you know, the fourth one, which is to, to let someone go. It's something you absolutely can't tolerate ever again. So a lot, lots to unpack here, but I hope that helps you understand a little bit more of how I view the holistic, um, you know, taking care of the leadership and the culture. No, I got a following question for that. And yeah. I want to dive right into it, especially with Hawaii. It's a very family oriented kind of uh, state, especially in the mm -hmm. business culture here. What has been your experience with, with a lot of the internal culture of the, the founding family members? And maybe the question of, well, they don't actually know their values or their values are different from what's on paper versus what's actually there. How have you come across um, and really kind of helped enlighten some of those uh, those key decision makers? I love that question. Um, because I have worked on the mainland and I've also worked here in Hawaii and I've, I predominantly work with entrepreneurs and leaders out here. I do work with people all over the world, but there is a huge difference between the work environment here in Hawaii and the work environment in the mainland. There's a huge difference. The family orientation is a huge part of it. And I really love that question because it's so important in Hawaii and how we use that in regards to applying these rules and, and checking in with everybody is that we too want to be very friendly. We want to love them up. We want to make everyone the best that they can possibly be. We want to show them and tell them and demonstrate to them that we see their efforts that we love that they come into work, that we love that they show up to do their job, even though that's what they are paid to do. But we do want to create positive reinforcement to let them know that they are so welcomed here. We love to have them here. We would love to have them long term. In addition to that, we really do care about certain situations that involves their family. For instance, if they have to um, take some time off to take care of their parents. They have to take time off to pick up their ch their child from school because they're sick. We have to understand what can we allow that is not going to be a letting go situation. How many times? So so three things that we should consider when someone is breaking like a rule is the first time it's a it's accident it's a mistake. The second time it happens, it's a coincidence, possibly. The third time it happens, it's a pattern or it's a habit. And so if we can be light in the way of how we're dealing with people that, you know, we don't jump to firing people just because it's there. We don't want to hire people all the time. Honestly, I really don't believe that we want to uh, turn and burn our employees. I, I don't believe in that. I believe that when we are hiring people, we're really looking for long-term commitment of valuable people. And so we want to share with people our vision of them being a part of our community. And I think that it's really important to show how we can be more of a family um, without being too personal that then creates, you know, confusion and, and it, it, there's, there's a few different entrepreneurs that I've worked with where they kind of got icky when I said, we got to create more of a family environment. They're like, oh, I don't want that because I have my own family and I don't want people to have always come to me for this. And I said, no, 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 that's not what I mean by like, you know, they come over to your house and they're barring, 
you know, your van, you know, because they, because their van broke down, like not that type of closeness, right? Not that type of family or orientation. What I mean is that we want, we want to create a culture of kindness and authenticity and fun. So one of the things that we can do is we can have lots of events where we're celebrating each other and we're not working. And that's such a fun thing. You know, having potlucks out here is very, is a very big thing. And it could be something that's not mandated. Like don't tell them to go to this thing, but tell them it would be really exciting to have you here. And I want to acknowledge the best employees. I want to provide you with food. I, you know, you're welcome to bring food too. I'm, I want you to, I want us to connect. I want us to take off our, our, um, our, you know, our employee tags. And I want us to just like, get to know each other, bring your family, bring your kids. That's where they feel like, okay, this is really great because it's not just about me showing up to work, but this person actually really cares about me bringing my family because I wouldn't be able to come to this event if I couldn't bring my family. But I get to what I call to um, feed two birds with one crumb. I get to bring my family to this environment. And, you know, a, a lot of the people that I work with, they have spouses. The spouse, of course, wants to know what your work environment is like. They would love to meet your boss. They would love to meet with the people that you work with. They'd love to see uh, a name with a face. And they'd love to understand what you're dealing with so that they can feel more supportive when you're talking about X, Y, and Z or what, whatever it is you have to do or who you have to deal with. And so it creates more of a connection between people. And again, you're, what you're doing is you're just creating an environment of seeing people and eating and having fun and being on a, under a different environment that's not about you have to do this and you have to show up for this and you have to clock in and out. This is like, come if you can. I'd love for you to, for us to connect. And that feeds into the family environment. I hope that answered your question. So a lot to unpack there. I and mean, I have some, made some notes here, some things I want to get to. But first, uh, Chris, I, I, you know, you haven't had a chance to really chime in. I know she shared a lot. So uh, what are some of your thoughts so far? And, you know, just especially based on your experience of being a restaurateur and having to be that person of hiring and grooming and growing your people. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to say that um, um, uh, let me address a couple of things. So you, you talked about family. Um, there are, for me, there's two different types of family. There's family at home and then there's your work family. Uh, and those are two entirely different things, even though they'll, they'll take on similar characteristics. And the other thing is, um, it's, it's like, you know, it's like your family, it's gr the growth of it all. So, mm -hmm. uh, for me, what I was, my, my wheels were turning when I was listening to Brandy and I was saying, you know, when you, I, I'm guessing we're we're past the interview stage and we're into the, we're into the, I've hired you phase. Um, and for me, um, like I said, I've restaurant toured. We've Brian, you and I have run a company in tech. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm always, a, what I've learned as I've become a seasoned leader, a seasoned business owner is how to constantly be assessing each individual that I have working with in a group. And you're going to, I mean, believe it or not, you're going to have folks that, they're just stars. You can tell out the gates through the interview process. I got, I got a diamond here and I need to treat it as such. Now, the mm -hmm. other one, I got some silver over here. I might have to do a little bit of work polishing on that silver to get it to shine the way I want it to shine. But the hopefully during your interview process, you've figured, you've started to assess and figure out where this person's, where their ceiling is and where their floor is 
and how you believe it or not, you're going to have to, you know, you have to talk. Each individual has to be sometimes your message is the same message, but you're going to have to tailor that message to the individual based on what their style of taking information is, what their learning mannerisms are. Um, Maybe they've worked in a job where they've had some, they've developed some really piss poor habits, but they're good people. You can see through the muck and see that, okay, I think I got something. You know, I've hired people and it's like, and there's a couple of things I'm not really enamored about this person, but my, my, my early assessment says that they're good people and I've got to see if I can figure out how to undo a couple of things that this really crappy boss um, has got them, you know, some behaviors that they've fostered. Cause you know, that's what it's really about. What kind of behaviors do you foster? Are you willing to, you know, we're in a, such a, a delicate society today where people, a lot of times they, they shy away from the truth. So you basically the whole idea is you're conflict averse. We've, we've uh, Brandy, obviously this is the first time you've been with us, but we've had these conversations about being people being conflict averse. They, you know, they view conflict is viewed as this just demonic situation, you know, or, or behavior. And it's really not, sometimes you can actually, you can actually uh, come together through conflict. If you're willing to have some, some heart to heart, some heart to heart conversations and keeping it professional. One of the things I've learned um, as a boss and as a leader, I remember when I first got into when I first time I was given my boss status, it went straight to my head. I mean, my ego mm-hmm. came out front and center and you know, you, I, I upset some people. I pissed off some people along the way and you lost some people. You know what I mean? You, you force some people out and some people force themselves out. But as I've grown to learn as being a leader is it's not who's the loudest voice in the room. It's the most consistent voice in the room and, and the most concise voice, voice in the room. And really what happens is, you know, through these people that you bring on board, you know, one of the things I want to do out the gates is I want to create rapport. So I want to see if I can get, I want to see if I can get you to, as we say, Brian, drink the, the proverbial Kool-Aid um, and just see if I can get you in, you know, it's kind of like my relationships. I want to get in a position where we can, we've come to agreements on certain things. I'm getting you to acknowledge certain things. And you're going to find out a lot about people through that. I'm trying to get you to agree and acknowledge certain things, how some people are going to squirm. You know what I mean? It's like they think they're in a, you know, you got them in a vice and they're just trying to wiggle the hell out of it. And then you got folks that are like, I'm here for a purpose. So you can really kind of find out what people are about. Because I, my whole deal with it, I'm like, I'm here for, we're here for a purpose. And we're here for a common goal. If it's a retail situation, then it's to put revenue on the books. It's to create great customer experiences, things of that nature. You'd be surprised how many people out here that don't understand the overarching of saying, let's, let's just use the retail environment. We are trying to, create a customer experience and get their money. That's what we're trying to do. And hopefully during that process, we're going to create a repeat situation. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And that calls for consistency. So through this process, through this assessment, through this, um, your trainings and and so far and your coaching, it's about creating consistency. I'm big on consistency. 
100% agree with you on that. A couple things I want to go back to on some of my notes here. Um, one of the things you said, Brandy, which really resonated, and it was know and show, right? Yeah. So as a manager, knowing it and then also showing it, right? So whether it was going back to talking about the employee handbook or the, the policies, procedures, or you know any of those things, know it as a leader. You need to know these things. And then you also need to show these things, meaning mm -hmm. make sure everybody that's in the organization understands that you know it and these are the guidelines that we're going to follow and that they apply equally to, to everyone, I think is an important piece. What I do want to go back to that kind of popped up in my head, uh, and I just want to get your thoughts on it, is obviously one of the terms we hear a lot when we start talking about you know, managing employees and, and keeping them engaged is motivation, right? And uh, two terms that I think getting mixed together a lot, but I believe that they're different and that's inspiration or motivation, mm -hmm. right? Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Which do you see as more important? How do you see them being different? And, and what are some good ways to apply them as a leader in your, in your organization or in your group? Oh, I love that question. Okay, so um, motivation is the reason to act. It's giving someone a reason to act. Um, inspiration has to do with feeling um, they're creating the imagination on how to create something themselves. And it does follow on with motivation, but it's, it's something internal that they create inside. It's about the ideas that they create to do something. And they are very different, very, very, very different. So when we want to motivate someone to do something, it's a clear act. It's a clear action step that we want them to do. We are going to, the best way to motivate someone is to understand the situation on how to do it, how to apply these steps, um, give them clarity so they can feel competent about doing it, support them with guiding them, see if they have any questions, allow them to demonstrate it in front of you so you can see that they're doing it well in the way that you ask them to do it and then provide them with all the benefits of doing it well and how much you know this is helping you your life easier and they're going to love that and how you're making this whole organization so much better by being here and doing this and when we're motivating people we want to make sure that we use positive reinforcement that goes a long way positive reinforcement pays more than money. One out of 10 people leave work because of money. One out of four people leave work because of a coworker. 50% of people leave work because of poor management. So if we manage our attitude and we provide them with, with so much, um, so much support, so many, like, I believe you can do this. I believe that you're good at this. I love what you're good at. When we, what I call recognition ambition, when we con when we're always highlighting the goodwill of everybody because it's something they do, it's because of something they say. And then we also highlight, let's say that someone is not doing so well. Chris, you talk about like, we have some people who are like, they're like gold and we just know we, we want to, hold them long-term. And then we have some people who are silver and we're like, okay, we got to work with this a little bit, you know? So as it's easy to highlight the goodwill and the work performance of those gold players, but we 
also want to say that those that are silver, if we see that they've been having a hard time doing something and they finally get it right, we want to make an announcement to everybody and say, all right, let's celebrate this milestone that the silver got it right. Let's all celebrate together. Let's make this such a wonderful thing that now we're all on the same path. Because the worst thing that the person wants to feel is I'm not good enough. I'm holding the team back. I don't know why I'm here. I feel so embarrassed. I don't know what I'm doing. We want to celebrate those milestones. Say, thank you for, I'm so proud of you. Come on, everybody. Let's get together. We're so proud of him. And we want to do this with every single person. And if and recognition ambition is about highlighting someone different every single time. So we're not focusing on the like handicaps. We're not focusing on the gold. We're focused on every single player. And we're saying every single one of you are important to all of us because all of you matter. And so when we're doing that, we're also inspiring now them to do better, not just for themselves, but for other people. And when we inspire people, one of, one of the things that we can do is we can, like I said, with a recognition ambition is, you know, highlight their goodwill and how we can also see them doing greater long-term working with us. So for instance, we can say something like, you know what? I love the way, let's say it's in a restaurant environment and this girl, Nancy, she's a server and she's friendly and she, you know, she does her job well, but she's, she's a silver. She's not a gold. She's a silver. And um, let's say she's been working there for six months, right? So she's, she's pretty new um, and she's a silver. <laughs> so um, let's say that Nancy's working and we say, Nancy, you know what? I, I, I love that you're so friendly and you always have a smile on your face and I appreciate you always showing up to work on time. If you keep doing this for the next several months and you also pick up this other skill, I could see you going far. You could potentially be the next lead. So we're not saying you could be like a manager. We're just saying, I think I can see you going places with us, but if you just keep doing this, just keep doing what you're doing. And we highlight this on one of their best days. And we say, you were on fire today. If you keep doing this, I can see you going far. We inspire them to show up in a different way. We, you know, like, what else can you do? What else do you have in your pocket? Because I saw you laughing over here, but I haven't seen that Monday through Friday over there. Like, whatever you did over there, you got to keep doing that. I don't know what magic you got up your sleeve, but I want to see more of that. Keep doing that for the next several months. I can really see you going. And that really helps some unlock something in themselves. They're like, well, that was just being me, but it inspires them to be authentic. It inspires them to show up more. There's a lot of different things we can play on with motivating and inspiring people to do better. Yeah. You know, 100% agree with that. Um, you know, and, and I think that's a key piece of it. One example I want to bring to the table and I just get your, your thoughts on it. Big corporations, especially a lot of the tech ones like to give their employees a lot of flexibility, right? Um, mm. Work from home and those kinds of things. Google, for example, actually mandates for them, a lot of their employees that they it kind of an 80, 20 rules, what they call it. And so Google wants 80% of your effort focused to Google, but they actually say want 20% of your time to be where you work on outside activities. 
So whether it's volunteering to do some other kind of work or getting involved in other projects or, or being in other areas that are actually not Google specific, they actually almost mandate that because they say that feeds the employees self-worth and makes them feel uh, appreciated because it gives them that opportunity to do those things that they have a passion for and that they really want to be focused to. So that's kind of some outside of the box thinking I think leaders need to be very aware of. And that definitely is more of the inspirational side of it as I I see it. So what are your your thoughts on just, you know, non-traditional type things like that when when you have it in in the workplace? You know, I think that there's a lot of different ways that we can inspire someone to take care of themselves. And part of being a great mirror of what you want to see, what you want other people to see and do is by demonstrating that you are taking care of yourself, that you do have those breaks, that you're eating healthy, you're getting adequate, good quality of uh, amount of sleep, that you are enjoying your time away. And when you're able to demonstrate um, self-care, you can provide so many more ideas. You can be much more attentive. You can have so much more energy to focus and you will have so much more desire to play a part of your work environment. And I have worked with engineers and, you know, one person um, from very, very big company and he is, he is mandated to work from home and he only goes into the workplace um, once a week for just a few hours. It's not a full day. And a lot of his, he has a lot of meetings at home and from with people around the world that are incredibly sophisticated, that are highly independent intellectual. And he's having these ongoing meetings um, that, you know, from because they're in different parts of the world, it can start at 6 a.m. and it can end at 11 p.m. at night. So time management is incredibly important to allow you to have the energy to devote and be inspired and have the motivation to do your work well. So I think time management is super important, however you want to play the 80-20 role. Yeah, I I would agree with you on that. Vince, we've talked about this a little bit too before, um, just talking about uh, the accountability pieces of it. You know, when you talk about leadership, and uh, accountability models. So Vince, how about you share just a little bit, because we, we've kind of had some discussions about the importance of really sharing how it's going to, how you're going to be held accountable and the communication pieces and parts of, of accountability. You know, it's interesting when you think about all of the different SOPs and the employee handbook, as you kind of alluded to, and how so many organizations and so many employees really don't know what is, you know, the words on the paper. And a lot of times you see this kind of cookie cutter um, where it's like, these are the the values and the expectations that we strive to because that's what everyone, the status quo is. And then you think about these other organizations, like as Brian mentioned, Google and others who are really trying to align their values and the culture and of course, as you met, we talked about earlier, the whole hiring process of, of identifying the right type of individual that fits the culture. One of the things that I've been, I've been thinking about a lot as when we look at the evolution of culture and the evolution of organizations throughout, uh, let's just say post-World War II, and then how that's also reflected in the educational side in terms of preparing 
these young minds to exit high school and join the workforce or go to college and then join the workforce too. You know, I've been thinking a lot about the idea that, you know, because we're, 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 we're asking these, these uh, current employees to think critically, for example, to empower them. And you look at um, some of these organizations are still around versus the ones that were behemoths at their time, they're no longer there. And you think about how organizations like Southwest or, or some of the big tech companies, you know, some of their standards, their, their values are, are, are shifting. You know, the, the new norm now is you don't need a college degree. The new norm now is remote working or, you know, it's, it goes beyond the traditional, you need to physically be in this office, these hours versus saying, okay, now, you know, it's more skills-based hiring. So have, do you have sufficient knowledge to be able to execute these particular skills in this time frame effectively and efficiently? And then what's even more interesting, which I would appreciate your commentary on is I see and others see this kind of shift in values-based approach hiring. So it's really about, okay, we've got the skills piece, but that's, that, that's stagnant based on what they can do. Now, do the values align where they're, for example, lifelong learners, they're always striving to improve, they're, they want to be uh, contributing. They, but, but now it's, it's actually no longer on the individual, it's actually on the collective. So it's the, uh, you know, the group dynamics, the collaboration piece, how they work well with others. And so, you know, your commentary about the role playing of, of Chris and I, for example, is really interesting too. And I'm wondering, you know, what else is out there? from a, let's just not really put it on like a handbook side, but what else is out there that you've come across in some of these clientele uh, and, and folks you coach or support too that you know, can provide more of that? And, and I all personally like to hear the, the challenging times because I, I learn more through you know, the, the war stories or whatnot versus the positive sides because then we can always improve Brand, do you have anything that you want to share uh, to kind of address what Vince was just asking about? Maybe what are some of the, you know, different things that you have seen in your observations as coaching and uh, some of the, the war stories, as he said. So, I mean, obviously a lot of it is positive, but what are some of those things that have been really challenging that you've really uh, had to observe and maybe help people through? Uh, there are so many uh stories that I can share with you. Um, let me see if I can drum up, a, a, you know, a few. Um, one would be, okay, to touch base, Vincent, on there's the competency, right? You have these skills that say that you can do this. But what we're looking for are these soft skills. How well do you work with others? How well can you do this on your own and still be a part of the team? The soft skills has a lot to do with the personality, their own will, you know, their decision-making, their attitude. It's, we're looking for a long-term connection to uh, do the work as a team versus, you know, the leader always telling somebody how to do it. And, and, you know, finding someone who's inspired to work in this workplace is a huge element that we're always looking for, or at least that I'm always looking for when I'm coaching my students. And so one of the things um, that I could talk about is there's a student of mine that, um, he is, at, he actually has a dream to be a restaurateur. And, um, when I met with him, um, we understood that that's, that's 
his goal. And when I was helping him understand what his desire is and how that meets with what he's already doing, we found that there is like barely anything in common. He was working at a restaurant that he doesn't even want to have for himself. It was a different type of restaurant that doesn't truly utilize his skills from a value base, from a desire point of view, from even the level of skills he has. Like they weren't even utilizing it. And he was working two jobs that were not allowing him to shine the best that he could be. And so we, um, he was inspired to <laughs> cross those off the list and start honing in on his values, which is, you know, music to my ears. And then over um, the next year, um, I helped him to get four raises by really tuning in to how he can apply his values in the work environment through demonstration. And he has risen to be a fantastic leader. Now, the best part of this is that he's not going to be working there any longer because in, within a few months, he's going to open up his own restaurant, which is our goal, you know, a year and a half ago. So this is all being done in less than a year, in less than two years. And it's not even something where he had to come up with the capital. And Chris, you probably know that coming up with the capital to have your own restaurant can be that's a whole learning curve, but he doesn't have to do that. I helped him understand that we can manifest this in a different way by truly showing up as a leader that you want to be having constant conversation of what you love and what you want actually helps you manifest what you want to have in your possession a lot faster than you would than if you were to do it all by yourself, because we're now, now I'm getting in the spiritual side of it because we're connecting with, um, spirituality in the sense that energy is something that is all around us. And it's always something that it, it never dies. It just converts. It just changes form. And so when we provide our actions, our desires, our, our, the way that we talk about the things that we want, and we show up in that space, um, we're multiplying the energies to attract people like-minded who want to have these conversations with us that want to hire us because we are exuding that on a consistent basis. And that's exactly what has happened. And so we're, you know, we've, we were able to position him to get four raises that I helped him negotiate and then um, move up in a leadership position. And then now also have manifested a person who has already come up with the capital location, all these other things that he needs to open up his own restaurant. All he needs to do is do the fun part, which is create the menu and start designing everything from scratch. So that is like one of the best things that could ever happen to someone who says, this is my dream goal. And it's something that I've been wanting for so long. I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I'm like, wow, you, you know, you're in a, less than a year and a half later, here we are. And he didn't even have to put up the capital. Did I answer your question? I, I, I kind of went yeah, lost in the best. It's like law of attraction. I, are you talking exactly. about law of attraction? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I call I it the power that. manifestation and I guide people mm -hmm. through these six steps on how to manifest these things in our life. 
because the law of attraction is very much that. I just go a little bit deeper by helping them understand the actions we have to take to fulfill in the law of attraction. Because the law of attraction, I think a lot of it has to do with like thinking and imagining and, you know, like wanting that. But we also have to align our physical environment and our actions to meet with like, this is actually happening. This is what we're doing. And then everything just connects really, really fast. Uh, I want to bring something up and along the same line, because uh, a thing that I use and it's part of my, my past with some of the coaching and development and being a training manager in the past, we always looked at something called motivational fit, right? Uh, so skills are skills, right? And as you said, whether that comes through formal education or you just have the, the natural skills and ability to do certain things. Uh, but the, what is the motivational fit of the individual uh, for the organization? And then also what is their typical attitude, you know? And, and as you talked about earlier, Brandy, uh, sometimes people come and they can be a cancer to the organization. And I think a lot of that has to do sometimes with uh, maybe the attitude that they bring. So from a motivational fit standpoint, we've always focused in on that because I can teach you skills where you may be short on certain skills or knowledge base and those kind of things. But what's really hard to do is to create that motivational fit or change attitude sometimes. So what has been your experience or when you have leaders who are struggling to understand, I hired this person, they've got the right skill, but they're just not working out and having them understand and start to look at maybe the reason is, as I said, either a motivational fit or the, the, the uh, attitude piece of it. It's, it's this is so important. And I think you guys are going to like this. Um, so I have another story that I can share with you. Um, there's a student that I was working with and he had a problem with retention, employee retention. I mean, these these employees were coming and going and it was consistently that they were staying there for roughly a month, a month that is going to tire you out like very, very fast. And when I was working with him after a year, the longest that we've held a, an employee was a year because that's how long we were working together. <laughs> so that was great, right? But what did we do to motivate these people to stay? I think you're going to love this, Vince. We really talked with them about what matters to them. What's their family dynamic? What's their situation at home? Who's in their life? Who's not in their life? So when we start having these these conversations just to create a connection, um, we started to understand what was most important in their lives. And to come to your point, Brian, how do we motivate them? We have to understand what is their reason to act? What is most important in their life? If their wife is harpening for some reason, we have to address the wife. What is going to bring the wife at ease? How can we help the wife? You know, can the wife come over? Can we all have lunch together in, in our team meeting? Can we all have lunch together? Can we, can, you know, is there something that I can provide you with to, you know, help your, your family know that I'm in this too for the long run? that I'm not just here to hire and fire, but I'm actually here because I want you to do well. Another piece that we have to put in place when we're motivating our employees is we have to understand what are they good at? And we got to tell them what we see because oftentimes when you're gifted at something, you're too close to it, you don't even know it. You don't even know how good you are at something until somebody points it out and you're like, really? 
that's just something I naturally do. They're like, no, you're really good at that. We're like, wow, thank you so much. And then you feel, you feel like, wow, okay, I got something good going on in my life. I'm showing up in this way. So this one student, um, there's this one person, this one employee in his life that had an issue with um, dyslexia. And dyslexia is not something that the employer can literally train him on. I mean, that's taking a whole nother layer to it, right? We, we, the employer already has a lot of things to do within the company. So we, we want to keep it within company boundaries on how we help this person. But one of the things that we were able to, um, I was able to help him help his employee is to not be frowned upon about this handicap, if we could call it that. I don't, you know, maybe there's a better word, but this issue that he thinks is going to hold him back. Let's, how about we not let that become a problem? Let's shine all the gifts that he has and let him lead with that. And let's get him support if he needs it with, you know, times that he needs to read certain things. And, you know, let's, let's give, let's cut him some slack and reposition him into a place where he can truly shine. And when we have somebody else that can support, you know, like a buddy system, when we have more of a teamwork environment where we're helping each other out and everybody gets to shine their best qualities, everybody loves to work there because they feel like they can contribute. They feel like they're doing well. They feel like they're helping people. They feel like they're, they're being impactful. They feel that, like they're important. They feel like they're a part of a community. And these are all things that actually builds a feel-good hormone called serotonin, which is all about social trust. That's why churches and um, retreat centers all can create so much value and commitment from the people they serve is because by simply being in the same space and feeling like you can be together and, and feel safe in that area where you can do so much more together, just truly just inspires you and motivates you to stay there, to come every Sunday or Wednesday or Friday or whatever, come to every retreat is because you feel important in that social atmosphere. And that's one of the most important things we need in every phase of our life is to feel like we have a social life, to feel like we're connected with other people, not just one person, but a variety of people. And that really helps us to grow. And it's such a, it's a, it's a part that actually helps heal our soul and our heart. The, the feeling of connection. Chris, I, I want to come to you because we've talked about this recently. Um, and Brandy, what I really heard you say with that is value showing that you truly do value your the people who work for the people in your organization so that they feel valued right and and not just for necessarily the production that they bring to the table the production actually becomes the side benefit in, in all honesty because the more valued i think they feel as a whole person and whatever is important in their lives and that's also important to you they naturally want to contribute, as you said, about being in, you know, religious organizations or different groups or where that's kind of the feeling that you have. So, Chris, I want to come to you because I know we've talked a lot about value and then how sometimes you don't even see your own value. And I know we've had some recent talks about that. A number of thoughts have been running through my head since probably for the last 10 minutes or so. Um, one of the things I, I kind of want to go back to is that, um, Brandy, you obviously work with 
more uh, leaders of companies or aspiring leaders of companies and stuff like that. And um, some of the things that's placed importance. And I want to go back a little bit to where you were talking about the individual's family life. Um, a lot of times their styles are fostered and developed from their home life. So if you've got a collaborative home life, even though you can be the, you know, you be the head of the household, but if you've got a collaborative, if you've, if you've been taught to have a collaborative household, now your word may be the last word, but how do you make everybody in the family understand that they're a part of the process, even though maybe they don't have overarching say, but how do you make them feel like they're involved in the process of the day-to-day -day of the family? And that translates into your exterior life, which is when you go to work. Are you, you know, one of the things I was based on what I grew up in, I started out as a boss. It was kind of somewhat semi-taskmaster. So I thought if, you know, I knew my job, I knew what was, I knew the goals, I knew everything that needed to happen, but it came out in a manner that wasn't always digestible to the folks that were, that were both, that fell underneath my umbrella. And what I had to learn over the years was, was how to how to a become less taskmaster and more of a uh, more of the person that's uh, that's kind of leading us down a path through more through more soft softer methods and um, seeking agreement um, you know uh, trying to establish rapport and things of that nature any anybody can bark out orders. I mean, you, it, it, I mean, I've believe me. I go into places where, because of who we are today and where we are and how I, I've developed. I typically go in. We go into these establishments, and we. I look for how the how the team is is how the team is playing together. Mm. How the, the the quote unquote person in charge is using his his resources to achieve the the corporate goal or the company goal or whatever it is um and i and and what i see a lot of times is a lot of inability or they're just their their focus is is not the right focus so we see that a lot we and you know we tell us we talk about this all the time you know about you know you know i mean god who's who's training this guy you know and and, and he doesn't know his people because understanding it, everybody, I mean, you're talking, you, so you talk to them as a collective, but you also have to go around and talk to them as individuals. Sometimes you've got to look at your, you know, you, so you, you used the analogy of Vince and I earlier. So if yeah. I were the boss over Vince and I, knowing that Vince and I do have some similarities, but we also have some differences in what our viewpoint is. So I got to talk to Chris a little bit different. And then I got to retail my message a little bit to Vince. And believe it or not, there are managers out here who refuse to do that. They just want it's the same message to the same. And then I'm like, you kill, you know, any effectiveness, you just threw it out the window. I mean, you literally did. Um, or the because I said so, you know, that you know, because believe it or not, employees today push back, they push mm -hmm. back. Oh, yeah, and definitely. A good manager knows how to deal with the pushback, mm -hmm. a, a crappy manager will automatically engage from a standpoint of his of the power struggle i'm the power you work for me well that could change in the next two minutes i could be like yeah i did work for you but i don't work for you now 
You know what I mean? Because you pushed me to that level. And you'd be surprised how many things happen like that. And that was never the desired effect. But because you didn't know what the hell you were doing, you didn't you didn't keep the mission and goal as, as the top priority. And you made it about you. You know what I mean? That's, mm-hmm. what, you know, the, that's when the ego, you know, we talked about, I think we were having a discussion about that last night about the, the mm-hmm. now you allowed your ego to get in the game. Mm-hmm. Everybody loses. Everybody loses. There's no winners in the process. Um, so I guess for me, you know, I, I'd like to know how you, when you come on to somebody that you're working with and you detect that, because I got to believe on the level that, that you are and that you believe you're on, that that stuff will, will show quick. You'll be like, Ooh, I got a taskmaster here. And he's very, you know, and it's more, it's more with people that are rigid. You know, you have these people we just, I'm sure you come on to all the time. You can tell initially when you meet them, there's, there's rigidity in their process and it is prevalent and it's upfront. And how do you, for me, I would see that and it would put the coaster break. I mean, I'd just like hit the, hit the emergency brake on the car. Like, Oh, we got to address this now because that's going to, that's going to either make or break the situation quickly. And you got, like I said, you got folks, you know, I use another word that I like to be flexibility, understanding as a boss, you have to be flexible sometimes, you know I mean? You can't take that, you know, cause employees regurgitate stuff. I mean, they vomit on you quickly because they don't think a lot of the time. They don't mm-hmm. have that ability to process, think, to take something in, process it and, and put, and, and have a credible response um, about what, what that is. It's a lot of times it's wall goes up. I got to dig my heels in and I got to represent my point. Even though you, you work for the company, it's not your company. You know, I've had, I've had those disagreements with, with employees in the past. I'm like, you know, that's all well and good. You do realize though, that this is not your company, right? Because the way you're talking is you're talking like this is your company. Mm-hmm. That's there's the there's the issue right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So, so my question to you is, how do you approach that when you get folks like that, and you can tell that it's it's an it can be potentially an extreme situation, and how do I back this thing up and get it back on an even keel, um, and take all the all the 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 puffery out of it? And wait, before you answer that. I want to build off of what Chris is saying, because another key term that we've been talking a lot about is imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and, and how that plays in everything, both from the leadership side, the ownership side, and even the employee side. It's an imposter syndrome piece to it. So if you could add that into the kind of the response, I'd appreciate it. I, I love that. I, I hear problems all the time, <laughs> all the time. Believe me, it's 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 nonstop, especially in Hawaii. There's a different work ethic here than what's on the mainland. You know, the most consistent complaint that I hear from leaders is that the employees aren't doing their job. And then we have different management who who may talk a lot of game, but they don't walk the walk as well. So how do we resolve these issues when there's somebody who is um, who may be more of a dictator, wants everybody to do it, but doesn't want to demonstrate it. We have other people who work incredibly hard and they're trying to they're trying to do as much as they can, but there's coworkers that aren't doing their job. And then we have, you know, and 
some of these coworkers are, are they just know how management works. So they just kind of stay in their lane. And there's other coworkers who are self-entitled. They want a, another raise. They, you know, they have X amount of hours that they're working. They have people at home that they have to take care of. The list goes on. So there's lots of compa- complaints that I hear of. And um, there's so many different things that we can do to help us understand how do we resolve the conflicts. This is all about conflict resolutions. So one is that if we can reposition ourselves and say, um, yes, coming to your point, Chris, like who is who has the highest say? If someone says that this is the way that things are going to go and you have provided your case and you said, these are the reasons why we should do it this way and this would be better for X, Y, and Z, and you give all the reasons and the causes why your plan of action should work and they say, but this is what I'm saying that we're going to do. It takes humility for this person to say, okay, I have to at least respect that everything that I provided with this person is still not going to go the way that I want it to go. I've got to stay in my lane and I've got to do the best that I can with what I have. And if you know your role, you know, this is one of the first things we talked about in the very beginning. If you know what your job, your tasks, and your responsibilities are, you'll start to detach, emotionally detach, and also physically detach from micromanaging. Like, well, this person isn't doing their job and that's affecting my job. Well, this person isn't doing this. This person is showing up. Try your best to do what you can from your your position and point out to, you know, the highest up and say, well, the reason why these things aren't done is because you let this person stay or because you put them in this position. That is, I'm just respecting what you said. That's all I'm doing but I can only do what I'm supposed to be doing, which is my top, my task, my responsibilities, my, I'm playing my role. So if you play your role at the best situation, this person up here will, will then understand like, Oh, okay. Maybe I need to be, take a little humble pie over here because I am starting to see now why this person said X, Y, and Z. I do see that these people aren't taking their, their job seriously, or they're not coming in like they say they are, they're, they are biting, barking back. And they're creating this ripple effect of negativity that is creating a cancer in, in the organization. So if you can if you can do the best that you can within your position and respect what this person says and just say, well, you know, if this if this negative thing happened, it's because you allow, you know, I'm just respecting what you said. So that's one piece. The other piece is um, if if you can truly take a step back and take care of yourself away from work, you'll you'll start to create more clarity on what's really important in, in your life. Because sometimes when you're too close to it and you're spending all your time at work, that you get sucked in trying to make it perfect, that you start to lose your desire to work with anybody anymore because you're pointing out what everybody's doing wrong. But if you can detach yourself and say, you know what, let me reduce my stress. Let me go, let me eat healthy. Let me do something fun. Let me create relaxation in my life. Let me spend time with my wife. Let's go to the bedroom. You know, let's, let's have some fun. Let's, let's, you know, create spontaneity in our life. Let's, let's go to the park with the kids. Let's, you know, spend time with the festivities. We need to take a break 
away from something that we're that's taking our energy and that helps create some clarity that's these are things we can do to just bring a little bit more ease into our life and then the other part um you know i hope that talking about knowing your role helps you understand that that will help you from feeling like an imposter because you're 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 doing what you're supposed to be doing you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're getting that done um the other part is um, when we are trying to resolve an issue with someone who maybe is self-entitled, maybe um, is not doing the right things, if we do go back to the rules of consequences, like we, we don't have to go back and forth all the time. Let's go back to the, the, the handbook and say, okay, well, I already gave you a verbal notice. So the next thing I'm going to do is write you up. And then after that, I'm going to suspend you. And after that, it's gonna, I'm going to let you go because we don't have time for that. I don't have time for someone for me to hire someone and they not do their job. Um, you, you know, getting rid of the cancer right away is the best thing that you can do for your for your organization and your colleagues because it reduces stress. And then, you know, definitely hiring um, as much as you can and, and allowing everybody to, you know, in a sense, compete with each other in the very beginning to see who rises up to the occasion in the hiring process. Um, that really helps you to pick out the ones who's going to, you know, who's going to level up um, once you work with them. Um, the other piece is that when you are having real in-depth conversations with each person, it doesn't have to take a long time to have deep conversations, but to really tune in on like, how are you doing over here? Um, I saw that you showed up late today. Do we need to change, you know, this is actually something that I, that I was able to do. Um, I worked in the culinary industry for quite some time. I did almost every single position in the culinary industry, except owning a, a restaurant. And um, I think there might've been one more thing, but I was in the front of the house, back of the house. I've, I've also sold to restaurants. I've trained restaurants. I've all these things. And um, I was also at a point like you, Chris, I think everybody gets to this point where you're not the you're not the hottest thing when you're a manager because you have a learning curve on how to talk to people with that ego. You have to understand how to be humble, trying to work with people versus just telling people what to do. I was also at that point where I couldn't figure out why um, I had these high standards and not everybody could meet me here. I could, I was like, why aren't people just doing what I'm telling them to do? What's going on here? Why aren't they rising up to the occasion? And what I learned is that we have to tune in to what you said earlier is how are they receiving information? What works with them? And so one of the things that I help a lot of entrepreneurs do and a lot of leaders in the workplace is don't say the same thing twice say it a different way. Say it a different way. So you say it one way, you demonstrate it another way, you have them demonstrate it for you. And then you you ask them as a team like, okay, what did you see beneficial in doing it this way? Did this work for you? Like touching base with them is like, do you like it this way? Do you, is this, is this a good thing for you? Does this help you, um, you know, get the job faster, more efficient? Is it easier for you? And then when you have those conversations, they're like, 
and it works out, right? Then they're like, yes, this does work for me. They actually show up as, as being more appreciative, but they wouldn't have gone to that place if you only told them what to do and never checked in with them to see how does this work for them. So when I was in this one restaurant and I was telling people what to do, I'm like, I don't understand. I, I end up managing this other restaurant and I always checked in with them like, hey, I'm I'm going to, you know, I, I worked at this one restaurant and I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is such a mess. And I said, you know what, I'd really love to reorganize this for you so it's easier for you to do your work. Would that be okay that I do this for you? And if it doesn't work out, we can change it back the way it was. But I'd really love to test this out because I see that we can make it an easier and much more funner environment if I change the way that everything's lined up. So I actually asked for their permission in a sense, even though I'm the boss, right? And they said, okay. And I said, all right. So I changed it and I, and I checked in with, I said, okay, I have it ready. Is this okay? Tell me how this works with you. And they're like, yeah, it's easier. This is a lot better. Okay, good, good. Okay. Um, how do you feel about this? Yeah, this works better. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they loved working with me so much that when I ended up leaving or about to leave, they every single person except one person that wanted my job said, if you leave, we're all going to leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. If you leave, we're all going to leave. We're, I, we can't work here without you. And it's, it's not because I bent the rules. I didn't bend the rules at all. I showed them how important it is to care about working together. And I cared about them. I cared about their well-being. In fact, the last day I left, there's one person, didn't even have a car, rode the bus on the day that she didn't even work. And she was crying because she didn't want me to leave. And she said, please don't leave. <laughs> she went totally out of her way to share with me how grateful she was that I was working with them. And I was only there for three months. How you impact other people is all about how you care about other people. That is the bottom line. So if you have enough consideration in the way that other people are receiving your information, they will go really far really far. And so just the, be able to care about people in the way that you articulate what you're trying to say, you know, holding humility for yourself because we don't always know what's best because everybody has different personalities and coming from different backgrounds. Some people do well with assertiveness. Some people do well with being yelled at. It actually helps them like wise up and some people break down with any of those things. They break down with assertiveness. They break down with being yelled at, whatever. So you have to tune in and figure out what works with every person. You have to say it a different way. You can't say it the same way all the time because they're just going to feel like, okay, now you think I'm stupid. You're telling me the same thing over and over, but you're not telling me in a different way where I can understand you. And so then you create that conflict between you and I, and all we want to get to is how can we work together? Brandy, thanks for that. I want to uh, ask a question here for of you and kind of shift gears just a little bit because a lot of what we've been talking about so far has obviously been great information and very relevant as a leader or, you know, someone who's who's in charge and you have to obviously manage and, and groom and grow your people. So I want to shift it to a, a scenario, I guess, to be more of 
leader to leader, or maybe there's a partnership in an organization. You've got three people who are, you know, run this organization. So each of them is a leader, but I really want to focus on what has been your experience. What advice do you give so that they can work together at that level? Because obviously they all feel that they have equal power and equal rights and will want to have equal say, but it's not always going to be that way. Right. So talking about more from a leader to leader communication, understanding and grooming and growing standpoint, what experiences have you had there and what tips can you share to kind of help in those situations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when we're dealing with people who are essentially in the same level as you, I think it's really important to recognize everybody's assets. I think that's first and foremost to feel so grateful that everybody's playing a part in this and to never let that go. No matter how different your opinions are and the choices that you want to make, we have to look at what's the common goal that we are striving for and how can we get there? Is there certain things that you absolutely cannot tolerate? Then those things have to be, you know, outspoken and you have to, you have to articulate your values in a sense that this is something that's important to you. And this is the way that, you know, there's certain things that you can't tolerate and certain things that you can tolerate, but still identifying like, you know, I appreciate you as a leader. I appreciate your assets, whatever, you know, fill in the blank. I appreciate all these things about you. I, I do have to share where I'm coming from. And, and this is what's important to me. With that, you have to understand that you don't know everything, that the reason why you're coming together is to create something together that you wouldn't have created on your own. And so if you can, you know, take some humble pie and say, you know, I don't know everything, but um, I'm open to learn. I just have to share this one piece. And simply by creating this open communication, sometimes other people can say, oh, my gosh, I didn't even mean it that way. Or I misspoke. I, I you know there's a misunderstanding. And oftentimes, because you guys are on similar wavelengths, there becomes, um, Chris, you brought this up before, conflict or confrontation, excuse me, not conflict. Well, same thing, actually, in this case, if you have a conflict and you confront that, it can bridge a gap that was that you didn't know was a barrier between you before it actually can make your bond stronger because of that. And that's one of the, the things that I love to do with people is to always see it as like, well, there's an opportunity here that you guys can grow together. We just have to understand our differences, learn from each other as much as we can with humility and also assert what your values are and try to figure out number one, what's the common goal? You know, if it's something that you can tolerate, you're like, oh, this kind of bothers me. You know, sometimes you just have to be like, well, let's see what else I can learn from this situation. If it's something you cannot tolerate, you must assert your values. You must share what those are. So that way you're not hiding yourself. You're not being a doormat. You're not being a people pleaser, but you are standing as a leader and you are, you are voicing your opinion. But again, you, you got to pick your battles. Like how is this a pet peeve or is it a deal breaker? That's what we have to figure out. If it's a deal breaker, talk about it 100% and, and talk well in depth about it. If it's a pet peeve, you can mention it, but don't let it be an hour meeting. Oh my gosh, you're just going to drive everybody crazy because everything that's a pet peeve is going to be another hour meeting. Nobody has time for that. You know, a, a lot of our, uh, us leaders, we all have, we all really contribute and commit to so many things that we are, that are as important in our life. So our time is 
a number one value in our life or it's a high value. It's a high priority who we spend time with, what we spend time talking, what we spend time doing. How do we, you know, all these things really account because that creates our life, our livelihood. So, um, you know, being able to understand what's the common goal is one of the most important things. Yeah, I agree with that. So what I want to do is kind of wrap it up. Uh, and I'm going to come to Vince and Chris here in just a second. And then Brandy, I'll come to you last. And really what I want to do with this piece is kind of like final thoughts. So, uh, you know, I'll come to you, Vince, here in just a second. Just share your final thoughts as what we've talked about today and, you know, what's really resonated with you and what's going to be kind of that thing that you take away from today uh, that's going to be of value and that you can kind of use as you move forward. This is probably one of the more, most important things that I like to talk about. So, you know, this discussion is, is very top of mind and across so much. Um, I think the thing that I really enjoyed hearing more about is looking at the holistic side of things. And holistic seems to be a more commonly used word, especially in the workplace. Um, you know, most of it, from at least my exposure, has been around other sides of what a holistic is, you know, on the spiritual side or the health side. And you said it at least a half a dozen or so times where, you know, you're, you're, you're really looking at the individual as a person, as a human, and, and there has to be a little bit of kindness. And you also mentioned a couple of times of, you know, taking care of yourself too, which is something that I believe a lot of us, especially when you think about the culture side and the value side, um, so many of us are givers, and because we do that so much, we often forget to think about, well, if we don't take care of ourselves, how are we supposed to take care of others? Mm -hmm. So I, I really appreciate and resonate with that a lot, too, because I feel like, especially from an Asian culture, um, you know, that's, that's something where that whole kind of ingrained of selfless can be too much. That could be... Um, it could be actually really negative. And the other thing too is the expectation or the internal expectation of what I feel like I need to be doing or should be doing or viewed at from the outside thinking, oh, he's not doing enough. And then there's like a whole other negative toxic flip where you know, now it's like, it's a barrier. So uh, I appreciate your time, Brandy. Thanks for sharing. I love that. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Vince. Uh, Chris, what about you? What, what what have been your takeaway for today? And, you know, something that you're going to say, you know what, that, that's really a value and I, I can apply this as I move forward. Well, the, probably one of the most important things is um, I look at, you know, I, obviously there's a lot of components to uh, people. This is, we, let's, we can, we, it's not about professionalism or it's a, it, what I think I look at is, um, when I, we do these podcasts, so, and I, and I, you obviously know, Brian, I, I love doing this um, because I get a chance to look at myself in a lot of instances, um, how it affects me, some of the, some of the knowledge that gets shared uh, on this platform. And I always go back to, you know, it being about growth, um, it being about what your contribution is. Um, and part of that is what kind of toolbox are you carrying around on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. Um, I come from the school of, I can learn something new every day I wake up 
and I can learn something from some people that I, I learned things from people that I never thought that I would learn things from that up and includes employees. So even time, each time you have a, a situation, uh, I think conflicts, a word we've used, um, and whenever I go into a situation, especially when I go into a situation like, you know, I've like today, I mean, I don't own a restaurant, but I'm in the technical side of the world. So I have technicians that do work for me. And every time I get a chance to work and coach with them, uh, I monitor situations. You know, we get called to do service work. Um, and it's great when everything is running really well and there's no issue. But the moment we have an issue or, you know, how do we operate? So, you know, I've, like I just recently had a situation a few weeks back and my guy didn't do anything wrong. Um, but what happened was it was something that was, it was a really huge deal, or at least it was translated to us as a really huge deal. And it turned out to be a whole lot of nothing. And what I was trying to condition my, uh, technician to do is talk to the, the customer on the ground because he's boots on the ground. They call we call boots on the ground. So what I want him to make sure, because the, the fix was simple, but what I wanted him to go back and do was engage with the customer and ask them whether any other, hey, I took care of this. I want you to understand, I can't, what you guys, the problem you guys had, we took care of it and it was relatively innocuous. And, and but what I, wanted, what I wanted him to ask was, is there any other little things since I'm here that you might, you know, within, within the scope that we can do for you? Turns out there was nothing, but I guarantee you walking away, that customer felt like he was so loved and so cared for. And that's what I always wanted in each situation we talk about. Um, I want, I want that customer. I want that end user to feel like they, 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 that someone actually cares about them. Um, And I do that with how I, like how I approach my, my staff, the same, the same method. So one of the things I heard in, when you were talking about it and, and, and when we talk about my tools in my toolbox, a lot of it is about the command of the English language and how powerful words can be. For me, there aren't going to be many situations when I use the word tolerate. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's because that, for me, that word, that even hearing that word puts me on my heels. You know what I mean? I'm not going <laughs> to tolerate. Plus it makes it personal. You know what I mean? When you say I, that, even though it could be an innate situation, it's not really about you. But the fact that you say this can't be tolerated, it says it's personal. That's that's what it says. And I think what happens is you don't you don't close gaps when you use words like that. You increase them. So be so the message that I want to the end message here is I want to say is there are the English language the English language is so expansive we have to figure out different words to use that there are more appropriate in situations when you're dealing with your subordinates or you're dealing with your, your quote unquote peers and partners, how you talk to those peers and partners is very important and, and will show over your overall effectiveness as a leader, how you have command of your English language and how you put sentences together and what your messaging is. So, that's kind of the last thing I want to leave on the table for today. And thank you for your input today, Brandy. It's been very beneficial. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to um, jump in there real quick too and just, just kind of talk about um, 
what I take away from today. And, and it really just kind of reinforces something that was in my mind uh, and talking about, you know, what type of leader or manager would you be? And are you that one that uses fear and, you know, uh, taskmaster, or if it's more about respect? And I think that's the key component for me is to understand that I think you definitely get more production. You have a, a better environment that you create culture or whatever term you want to use for that by focusing on respect. And that's just not just respect for you as the leader, because yes, that's important, but also respects amongst the team members that are part of your team, who those people that are, are un under your responsibility and helping them understand and respect each other as well. And kind of make that, uh, in my terms, the, the, the common thread that you use is, is that you have that mutual respect because what you're doing there, I think, is building a culture that's uh, sustainable for the long term. As we talked about, you know, hopefully that will eliminate some of the churn of employees coming and going because there's mutual respect and you're working towards a common goal and a, and a common objective. So for me, that is really one of the big piece that I'm taking away from this is to, to try to use that as uh, my silver bullet, quote unquote, um, when I'm thinking about leadership and and keeping other people together and communicating with them is let's let's focus on being respectful and, and growing respect between each other. So that's my takeaway. Brando, I'll let you give your final thoughts and what you'd like to leave us with for today. Um, well, I appreciate what all, all three of you have said, and, and I'm really grateful to have been here. And I would say that every, you know, wherever we are today is just a fraction of everything that we know. We can come in with this idea of like, I know because of my experience, because of what I've done in the past, but we don't know everything. And I think that when we carry this, carry this humility, that there's so much that I can learn from anybody, that there's so much that I can improve on, and then there's so much desire that I have to improve, we can work together no matter how we define a word, no matter how we present ourselves and our mannerism, no matter what we dress, no matter what our accent is or what background we come from, we can actually work together. But we do have to take this bit of humility of understanding that I don't know everything, I'm still willing to learn. And I'm very curious about what I can learn from you. And I'm very curious about how I can help you and how we can work together as a team. And with that curiosity, I hope that we can always come back to what's our common goal? What would you like to have with us working together? What, would, what is the result that you're looking together from us connecting? What's the result that I would love to have from us connecting? Can we continue to build upon that no matter what bumps in the road that we have? And if we can continue to focus on our common goal, I think we can work through anything, any kind of hurdles. We can overcome any challenges, no matter how big or how small they are. They can create a stronger bond between us. Could not agree more. Well, Brandon, this was amazing. Thank you so much for the time today. Uh, gentlemen, also for you guys, thank you for everything you shared. Uh, I think it's just a very positive thing and learned a lot and it uh, you know, reinforced some things that you know you kind of knew or maybe just needed here again and also learned some new things that I think will benefit us and definitely our audience out there. With that said, I want to wrap it up. 
thank all of you again for participating and for our audience out there. Definitely take care and take care of each other. And until next time, well, we'll see you soon. Bye now. Thank you. Bye.